Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast. As usual, I'm joined by our market analyst, Josh Gilbert, based out in Sydney, Australia. Josh, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. I'm very good. How are you today, my friend? Yeah, very well. Very well. Thank you for holding the ship last week with with Kelly, talking all about the Fed. And uh, thank you very much for for making sure it went ahead. We had a bit of a drama. I was in and out of A&E, but for all of our worried, worried listeners, I'm still alive. I did tell them. I did. I did let them know that you uh, you weren't very well, and that we were sending our sending our prayers to you, Sam. So uh, we uh, everyone was thinking of you. I'm 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 sure, but you missed a good one. So it's uh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, no, it's good to be back. And uh, I guess if we're doing announcements, we need to mention. Well, for for me and you, it's tomorrow. For people listening, it's Wednesday. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday is your birthday. It is Sam. Yeah. Big, big 27. Big 27. I mean, you, you're making me feel really old here at 31. <laughs> but uh, have you, what have you got planned? You, you, you're out and about? Uh, yeah, hopefully. So um, we just chatted then. I've got a couple of friends coming over from, from the UK. Um, so a couple of my best friends. So going to go out, show them the sights of Sydney, go and get some good grub. And uh, it's, I mean, it's meant to be absolutely chucking it down with the rain here for the next uh, six or seven days, which is great. So that would have meant two birthdays over the last two years in lockdown. Uh, and then this year with rain. So go me. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that can make you feel, I guess, a little bit more British, right? They're bringing the weather over for your birthday, um, which is, is needed, I think. Um, and anything to take away the pain of the market. So have a have a good day and don't look at your portfolio is what I would, yeah. would go on and say. Um, for the podcast today, we can talk about the pound. I guess, in a way, you not being in the UK and having your wage in pounds is a good thing right now. Um, let's also talk about Nike because their earnings are coming out this week. And then we can talk a little bit about ESG. Uh, how does that all sound? Yeah, no, it sounds good, I say. Um, probably quite glad to not be earning those pounds at the moment. And... Uh, and yeah, look, I just can't believe earnings season is, is with us already. It's it's just back again in Q3. I mean, obviously Nike is fiscal Q1, but Q3 earnings back upon us. I just wonder if, you know, we've had this conversation a couple of times, but is it time to, to get this half yearly reporting? We do here at Oz and um, I mean, it is pretty manic. Oh, that's one thing I will say. When the, when the, when the quarters come around, it's, I guess it's still pretty busy, but when the half yearlies come around here in us, it's crazy. Everyone's just on the ball for two, three weeks. Um, it's pretty mental, but yeah, maybe maybe it's time to change. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, it'd be it'd be interesting to see if there was a poll done, and you'd need obviously a very, a very big poll. It wouldn't be like one of those ones that statistics do sometimes, where it's like eighty percent of Americans think this, and they interviewed you know, 400 people, you'd, you'd need like a, a real big poll to see whether people would, would like that. But I think people would. I think every quarter, it's a bit too much, really. But uh, anyway, 
let's let's crack on um i mean what we now we're, we're tuesday but uh, i breathed a sigh of relief friday 9 p.m uk time which is the us close for those in 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 the uk um when the stock market closed for the weekend but obviously woke up monday to see the volatility continued i mean josh what a year 2022 has been seriously yeah it's crazy i mean we we on friday we will i think like we closed 26 points off of that low and then uh, for the s p 500 that is and then uh, last night on the monday um we closed just below it, i think so yeah it's been crazy we had that sort of you know bear market rally and, and we thought we were out of the woods then we had that inflation print oh. the, the more aggressive federal reserve and we've just come crumbling um back down again um you just wonder how if from here the question is sort of how low do we go I guess that same question then can be put into the pound, right? What is going on there? Um, are we going to go to parity? Um, you know, why did we have that sort of sudden move, Sam? Like, is there any reason that we can sort of put down to it? And, and what just what's going to happen next there? Yeah, I, I guess that's going to be the question on a lot of people, people's lips at the moment about parity. So we'll come on to that, um, you know, from six months ago i think it was one in 100 uh chance and then a couple of weeks ago it was down to say sort of one in uh sort of 40 and then now it's down to 110 and then on friday it was one in four and obviously after monday you're thinking well it's just a matter of time now uh but look we've got to talk about how we got to where we are and the mini budget was not well received on friday for for cable for, for pound against the us dollar and it is actually on friday the third worst day since black wednesday which was in 1992 and the 41st worst day in history over 160 years and 47,000 trading days and and that was friday monday if it had stayed where it had would have been you know a, a lot worse than that but that is just incredible 41st worst trading day ever uh, and as if this wasn't enough, as mentioned on, on Monday during quiet Asian trade, there was a flash crash. So this sent cable down to its all time low against the US dollar. Uh, at its worst, it crashed 4.7 percent, hitting the 1035 mark, which was the lowest level on record, as mentioned. So at the time, that was a 25 percent drop, a quarter, 25 percent drop in 2022. There's sort of reasons for the move. Um, it wasn't just Joe, due to the low liquidity. You know, traders are obviously worried about the UK government's high risk plans to cut tax and grow the economy out of a recession. They believe it's going to backfire. Uh, if we talk about some of the, the primary issues, you've got number one is the plan will cause inflation since it's going to increase demand, forcing the Bank of England to raise rates even higher and worsening the impending recession. Number two, it will necessitate that the government take out much more debt, which will increase the UK's debt to GDP levels, which, as we know, at a time right now where borrowing has become more expensive. Uh, and C, uh, the inflationary situation gets worse for us uh, as the pound declines because imported products like natural gas, for example, will become more expensive so that's not a great cocktail for for reasons for the moves that we've seen lower but a thing to note and we did just mention it it happened during the early hours of the morning during asian trade and a lot of flash crashes in fx happened during that period it's very unlikely that it would happen midday uk time so during that period when no one's trading if you've got a large sell order it doesn't take as much to move the market. There's less people trading. And actually, I always, whenever I sort of teach about 
the time of the day in trading. I always go back to an example of the 2018 World Cup. And I used to trade futures markets. So for the pound against the US dollar at each price, you probably had about 40 or, or, or 50 orders in the market, uh, individual orders in the market at each price. Uh, and then it got to in the evening, I think it was like a 7.45 or 8 o'clock kickoff, England, Croatia on a weekday. And, you know, let's not talk about the result, but what we can say is at that time, rather than being 50, 40 orders at each price, there was zero, there was one, there was two. It was so illiquid because people were away from their trading desk. People are away from their trading desk during the Asian trade. So if someone put in an order for, say, 100 futures contracts, the market's going to move quite big anyway. But if it's a big, big order, that's how you can get these, these big, big crashes. Um, however, look, the market did actually recover. Um, and it's almost a, a pretty good bottoming signal when you hear people like Piers Morgan tweeting about it. And I actually think, and I kind of got the tweet to hand, but I'm pretty sure he said at one point that raising interest rates is going to increase inflation. And I think God, like even Piers Morgan, who is clearly a very smart individual, hasn't got a clue, uh, which is quite, <laughs> quite nice to see. He's obviously got told the wrong thing there. Um, but uh, I think he, may, he must have meant, you know, lowering the or doing the tax cuts will increase inflation, which will then increase rates. Maybe I'm just trying to make him feel a little better about it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it did recover a, a little bit of, of that was was due to um, sort of a coordinated statement from, you know, uh, the government and, and the Bank of England about how they're going to deal with it. And, you know, the Bank of England said they're, you know, vowing to accelerate a development of a strategy to, to bring UK debt under control. They will react if needed. However, they, they did actually then come out and say they're not going to hesitate to change uh, interest rates, um, but stop short of an emergency interest rate increase to prop up the currency. And it's that uncertainty that is in markets right now that traders just do not like. We go back to the Bank of England meeting last week. You had some people saying 75 some saying 50, some saying less than 50 at 25. And it's just that confusion everywhere, which traders would just not like. And, and look, if you were, if you had a portfolio, and this, just imagine it's purely FX-based and you're, you can only buy the currencies, why would, why would you be buying the pound right now? Now, look, it is worth noting that um, it is also a US dollar story. If you looked at the pound against other currencies yesterday, yes, there were moves, but in the grand scheme of things, it's nowhere near as bad. You know, with with the recovery we had yesterday, we were about 20% lower for the year. You know, only the yen, I guess, is worth sort of running neck and neck with that at the moment. Depends what time you listen to this. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not too good right now. But it, you, the dollar is also to blame. It's a bit of a wrecking ball, as we've mentioned many, many times. Can we go to parity? Uh, it, it feels like it. it's more likely now than not. It'd be interesting to see if the Bank of England would come out and if we get another big, big move, do they come out and, and do an emergency rate hike? I think we've already priced in a 1.5 percentage point increase at the next meeting, which would take us to 3.75% in November. We also saw some news yesterday. UK high street banks have also begun pulling mortgage loans in response to rising gilt yields with mortgage rates expected to rise substantially amid widespread repricing. Um, so... Is there a silver lining in that? I'm, I'm not really too sure. The only thing you can think of sometimes with um, big flash crash moves is they can sometimes mark the low 
as the panic is done, it flushes it out. But you do need a change in the fundamental side of things. I think against other currencies, I don't necessarily think there's a lot of downside, but the dollar, I think, is going to still continue to be strong. So parity, I think, is 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 probably more on the cards than not. Yeah, and and it, it comes back to it again, doesn't it? But it's the dollar. It's just mm. it's just on a rampage, and that's what's you know the the biggest struggle right now. And I guess the question comes back to as well is is that speculation over the 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 interest rates, whether we have an emergency interest rate hike or or if the Bank of England actually physically enter the FX market to buy GBP USD, because actually last week the Bank of Japan actually yeah. uh, intervened and, and they bought the USD JPY for the first time in I think it was just going back off the top of my head, I think it was like 25 years. Um, so, you know, again, the, the dollar is is the dominance. Um, and I also think we have a, a G10 meeting coming up pretty soon, maybe in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe there's a discussion there between, a, you know, central banks and, and there's a discussion there over, over what the next move is. But, you know, look, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a good time for the pound at the moment, especially against that, that US dollar. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, the, the worry... Make sure I turn this light back on uh, for those watching on YouTube. Um, the worry, I, I think, with the intervention side of things is we just don't have big enough reserves to actually do something. You know, it's just not going to be almost uh, a drop in the ocean. So, I, look, do I feel sorry for the Bank of England a little bit? I feel sorry for quite a lot of central banks, really, given everything. I mean, they're obviously behind the curve and um, and that that's clear to see now, but it's not the easiest of times to manage. I, I think trust has made the Bank of Trust and uh, her colleagues have made the the Bank of England situation a lot lot harder. You've got the, the Bank of England that are like, okay, let's tighten monetary policy. And then you've got looser fiscal policy from the government, just the worst combination you could get. Um, so look, you can understand the uncertainty in markets. And, and as mentioned, participants just do not like that. Um, it's actually be interesting, actually. But I'm, I'm sure as we go through the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the dollar impact on earnings as well. Um, but this brings us on to our next subject, which is Nike. Uh, I was actually wondering if we should include it on today's podcast, but then I just thought, you know, we may as well just do it. <laughs> That's yes. pretty sore, pretty sore. Yes. But hopefully yeah, there's someone out there, there that had a little chuckle at that. Uh, and if you don't get it, then you're thinking, what on earth? Is he on about? But before we get into that, if, if, if you don't get it, you should probably just mute this next bit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah. going to be interested in it. Yeah. You might want some facts. So, look, I'm going to give you sure. some uh, as well. It was founded 1964, January the 25th. So, it's been around quite some time. Headquarters based in Washington County, Oregon, USA, of course. Uh, it is correctly, well, at home, just have a little think how you would say it. It's correctly pronounced Nike not Nike. Um, I definitely mix it up every single time I say it, but Nike is apparently the way, uh, and it comes from the Greek goddess of victory. The largest store in the world, London, Oxford Circus, Nike Town. Uh, and when the company was first started, it was called Blue Ribbon Sports. It doesn't really have the same, you know, doesn't ring matter, to it, it, Blue Ribbon Sports. But anyway, Phil Knight, one of the co-founders, wanted to change the name um, when they did change it to Dimension 6. However, Nike uh, was what prevailed. Um, and actually, there's a, a pretty sinister story behind the, the tagline, just do it. But I'll leave people to Google that because I don't want to go into too much detail about serial killers. Um, but <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll leave that for now. But uh, the stuff we really need to know, Josh, the mic is yours. 
Thank you, Sam. Um, well, yeah, look, I mean, the, the earnings are sort of always, it's sort of, the banks are the unofficial start of earning season. But I always like to think that Nike is the unofficial start of earning season. It's always right at the beginning. But it's a great way for investors to sort of uh, give us a, a look into to what the consumer is doing. You know, we get all the consumer data, we get the retail sales, but I also like Nike as well. You know, there's the largest sports apparel brand in the world. Are we still, you know, spending um, on, on discretionary items? You know, it's a, it's a key one, right? Yeah, your athletic wear is definitely discretionary. Um, Look, it's had a difficult couple of years, no doubt. We've obviously had supply chain issues. We've got rising inflation this year, but it's got a really strong brand presence and that's kept its sales pretty healthy over the last couple of years as well. It was supported really well over the pandemic due to that. When they shifted to online sales, um, it helped them sort of really stay ahead of sort of competition as well. And I think when we talk about brand presence as well in such a well-known brand, you know, going back to 1964, I always think in these sorts of markets when, you know, we are sort of seeing uh, a lot of valuations get crushed and when we see great brands go on discount like Nike, they do represent a, an opportunity for investors and something that, um, you know, it's definitely worthwhile exploring, you know, because you know, a brand name that's been around for this long, you know, it's not going to disappear overnight. Um, but look, I think heading into earnings, um, it's doing really well in its direct-to-consumer strategy. Um, that's sort of laying the groundwork for further growth. But we're going to have some some headwinds in the short term. You know, we mentioned some of it there, giving the currency headwinds, that sort of strong dollar, it's going to really affect them. Um, they're going to have sales volatility in China, given they've had sort of uh, quite a few lockdowns there. And excess inventory, which is a lot of retail brands through from Under Armour, Lululemon, etc. Those sort of sport brands have struggled with the excess inventory because it usually means they're then having to offload it uh, at a much cheaper price, which they don't want to do. Uh, so that's going to make for a pretty challenging quarter this time around. As I said, China is going to be the, probably the biggest worry in, in this sense. Um, consumer spending is, is expected to recover in China over the next, you know, 12 months, let's say, but I think sales are going to probably remain pretty constrained um, as well due to sort of the lockdowns that we've had. Um, it may not really show through in this earnings, but again, we still had lockdowns in China before this time. Um, and there's obviously, you know, fear there as well over sort of the virus sort of spreading as well and, and further lockdown concerns in China, which which could possibly see, um, you know, weaker guidance as well but there's expectations for earnings of 92 cents and revenue of 12.29 billion um so look it's going to be a really interesting one and it will be um a bit of a a kickoff to the start of earnings season let's say yeah and and, and for those listening before thursday after the u.s market close just be aware that it's about to come out thursday after the market close um let's just say josh your uh, your your goalkeeping career really really took off, and uh, and Bolton were like, look, we're going to give you pro terms. Um, you're going to get the contract. Uh, you're 18 years old, and you know you're you're playing for the England youth teams. But you 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 go into a meeting with your agent because of course you have an agent, uh, and he's like, okay, Nike, Adidas, Puma, um, all want a bit of you. Who are you going with for your boots? Uh. It, it would be Adidas. Um, okay. Predators, yeah. old school? Or? Yeah, yeah. I just find them more comfortable. I wear Adidas at the moment. But I would probably wear Nike gloves. Okay. So well, you wouldn't be able to on this. I wouldn't be able to, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But no, if I was going to just go all round, I think I would have to go for Adidas because their gloves aren't too bad. I prefer Nike gloves, but I prefer Adidas boots. That, uh, they're more comfortable. Um, okay, but look, I wear, but I would probably be wearing everything Nike. So I, I wear Nike apparel more than anything else. But for boots, it's it would be Adidas. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they wouldn't allow that. So you'd have to go <laughs> all in. So uh, fine, if, fine. Yeah, maybe, maybe saying that you love Nike to Adidas might make them retract their offer. But <laughs> yeah, if anyone's listening, any manufacturers, get, get at Josh for his, uh, for his gloves. Um, our, our final subject today, I would say, it's still an up and coming thing, really. Um, you know, ESG is becoming more and more prevalent in investors' decision-making processes. So I guess we should just do a quick explainer about what it actually is. And also, we've got a new Onitoro, a thing called ESG Scores, an ESG Scores system, Onitoro, which is a perfect chance for us really to explain what exactly that is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great topic to cover because, as you say, ESG is, is sort of a, a growing um, sort of topic and it's uh, a bigger decision now on investors becoming a huge part of investing um, in our retail uh, investor survey, which uh, our frequent podcast listeners will know it well. Eighty uh, percent of those polled um, see ESG as a factor in their decision making for investments. So that's huge. That's a huge number. Um, and, you know, being honest, it's not something that I've always looked at. Um, so it, 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 was a, it was a surprising number to me. And, it, and it's a huge number. As I say, retail investors are increasingly looking for greatest transparency on the sustainability impacts of their investments. Um, so, I mean, what is ECG, right? We're talking and saying the words. Uh, ECG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. Issues essentially according to which companies can be evaluated for their performance. And then they're giving a, a numeric rating. Um, ECG scores are also known as ECG ratings, essentially give us access to additional information about a company, which is not usually accounted for in sort of the traditional financial analysis. So, you know, we're not going to see this in earnings, but it's a, another fundamental factor that we can take into account. Uh, the, those sort of factors um, are their exposure to climate change, human rights, um, or they could be the number of employees um, that uh, have you know, left reviews or something like this, right? And again, coming back to the, how they treat employees, that's the social aspect. But climate change is, is probably the biggest, right? And the, the one that's most looked at the most. And, you know, uh, one of the stocks that, that has a fantastic ECG rating is Atlassian. It's an Australian company uh, building a new building here in, in Surrey Hills in Sydney. Um, and I believe it's 100% runoff renewable energy, uh, which is obviously fantastic. But it, all of this could have a significant impact on, on the stock's performance these days. Um, and as you say, Sam, we, we've now, uh, we are now providing ECG scores at eToro thanks to ECG Book. Um, and that's for over 2,700 stocks. So um, it's a great way for investors to sort of use this now as part of their fundamental analysis. And we also now provide business involvement flags for stocks as well um, that get more than 5% of their revenues from any of the 13 ethical uh, categories. So whether that's alcohol, gambling, tobacco, etc. Um, so it can align with you know, investors' values, etc. And, and these are sort of additional complements to, as I say, that fundamental research that you traditionally do, um, you know, such as the financial analysis, etc. So strong ECG scores may be viewed as a further quality indicator that can help reduce business risk, whilst a rising ECG score may be viewed as a possible driver of a higher valuation. And then on the other side, a low or falling ECG performance can similarly be seen as 
you know, risk or, or cutting valuations. Um, so how is that going to work on the platform? Well, a green score shows that the company is a leader in its sector in terms of ECG. An amber score shows the company is an average in its sector in terms of ECG. And yeah, you guessed it, a red score shows that it has a poor rating in terms of ECG as well. So it's a great time to have this on the platform. You know, it allows everyone access um, to this sort of new way of, of fundamental analysis in this new investing world. Uh, and especially when we look at sort of the, the transition and this long-term shift towards renewable energy, which we're seeing at the moment as well. So um, yeah, really, really big, uh, really important um, for investors to, to look at these days if that's what they, they're interested in. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 just another tool to the arsenal, really. I think Absolutely. it is it's, it's worthwhile looking into. And you I mean people tuning in? If, if you're just on Google now, you type in you know Etoro ESG scores, you'll you'll find a lot more information on this. And you can check it out in, in your own time. But for me, uh, I I'm I'm a fan of it. I think it's 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 going to become more and more popular. Um, just to wrap up the podcast, I've got two questions. Josh, seeing it is your your sure. birthday tomorrow. So the pound at the moment is, 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 I mean, depends when people listen to this, but it's going to be somewhere you'd imagine between 103 the low uh, and 108 around about where we're trading. Um, but where was it? Where was the pound trading on the day you were born? So 28th of September, what, 1995, yeah? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah 1995. Where do you um... reckon it was trading? 27 years ago it's got to be it's got to be up and around the well actually you mentioned earlier there was something about the crash or something in 1990 um let's go let's go high let's go i'm gonna go 175 158.20 but not a bad guess though i mean it also does put in perspective just how far we've we've fallen um yeah and final question, what was number one on the day you were born in the UK? Shaggy Bombastic. Fairground by Simply Red, apparently. Oh. <laughs> I actually don't even know that song, but um, yeah, apparently Fairground by Simply Red. I've heard of Simply Red, of course, but not Fairground. But uh, yeah, there you go. Unfortunately, zero out of two, but that yeah, still that's means, not good, is it? Yeah, that not, still not means you good. can have a few drinks. Thanks, uh, on Thank your you. birthday and uh yeah well look we'll wrap it there um hopefully this time next week markets will, will be a little bit more stabilized it was crazy last week really with the fed and the bank of england the mini budget and uh obviously the week before that was the inflation side of things and the ecb it's uh it's been a busy couple of weeks i think a quiet one wouldn't go amiss absolutely absolutely and, and just before we leave i do want to just say a bit of a shout out uh we attended a crypto conference um about a week or two ago um here in australia i had the pleasure to meet um some some uh, some listeners sam a couple of couple of people came over Amazing. and and said look good to put a you know named a name to the voice if you like um or a face to the voice um yes. loved it uh it's great to meet you so if you ever do see us come and come and say hello and give us all the, the compliments but yeah just a big shout out to to everyone that came along it was a great event as well and it's great to meet everyone so yeah awesome yeah absolutely do uh do come up uh and if you ever want us to talk about something in particular on the podcast send us a message on on twitter or in person as well but look, we'll wrap it there as usual. Itoro Academy for all your wants and needs, your podcasts, your guides, your videos, your blogs. If you're watching on YouTube, like, share, subscribe. If you're on a podcast host, give us a rating. A good one, of course. Josh, until next time, take care. Thanks, guys. See ya.
Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com. <laughs>